Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's made entirely of chocolate. It's my sister, Marissa. I think I said whatever you said last week was the dream, but this is the actual dream to be made of chocolate. Maybe maybe my maybe my dream is to have like a chocolate touch, but not like one like, like a Midas curse where, you know, I accidentally turn my children to chocolate. <laughs> I would like, I'd like a very purposeful, like I have to simultaneously touch something with both my pinkies and my pinky toes. I feel like if that's that's enough, right? It's it's like Elsa f- from Frozen, but with chocolate. Yes. I'm right, and I can wear gloves and socks if I don't... Why didn't Midas just wear gloves? That's a great question. <laughs> oh, because the gloves would turn to gold. Mm. And then how are you gonna... And then how so- are you gonna function? How do you turn... How do you make sure your, your gloves don't turn into chocolate? Well, I'd have to touch the gloves with both pinkies and both pinky toes at the same time. So okay. I wouldn't do that. Okay. So when you're Obvi. taking off your socks, <laughs> you just don't use your pinkies to do it. Or, you, no, I, I, see, I don't use my hands at all when I take off my socks. Can I tell you how I take off my socks at the end of the day? Sure. I, <laughs> what? <laughs> I stand with my on teeth. my teeth. <laughs> no, no, no. I stand on my carpeted like bedroom floor and then I just scooch backwards out of my <laughs> socks. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this glimpse into Marissa's domestic life. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> uh, a little housekeeping before. This was kind of like a monster episode. So it sure I sure got a lot was. to talk about. Before we get to it, some housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and a goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. We do have one new iTunes review, which is so lovely. Please, you guys are the best. I don't know. You guys, you listeners are the sweetest people, seriously. You are super sweet. It really makes our day. And we'll read that towards the end of this week's episode. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play, which is, you know, has some good chatter these days. Twitter at the Good Play Pod, where Marissa um, will live tweet every new episode, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Do we have any emails this week? Uh, we had a little email from our listener, Chris, who you integrated into the. He was the one who suggested that I was made entirely of chocolate. I love it. Yes. Fighting so fighting temptations. Fighting temptations. <laughs> Which listener Joel was like, I was trying to Google it and I didn't realize it's not actually called Fighting Temptations. Like, no guys, it's not called Fighting Temptations. I refuse to call it by its actual name. Which I now unfortunately know, but I'm not using it. So okay. I didn't I will admit that of all of the five minute snippets I have seen of this show, this one had the most plot, or not even plot, but like sort of pathos i guess oh gosh are we well no are we turning around is my is my prediction coming true (laughs) no it's still mega stupid and awful but essentially you know they're from this like very um down home tiny community church and they basically go to a mega church to put on a production of something and the Sort of the very big, burly, athletic guy is the one who takes the the solo. And 
I I wasn't sure, but from the way they were cutting between him and one of the guys in the audience, it seemed like maybe his father belongs to the megachurch, guessing father. And he looked very sternly disapproving of his very grown-up son's choice to join a small church. As we all know, on the scale of parental disappointment, joining a smaller church than the one you were raised in is very high up there, along with, you know, opioid dependency (laughs) and fathering 12 children out of wedlock. And gambling addiction. (laughs) Gambling addiction. Um... So actually, I found, you know, they, they sang some song by an artist whose name is spelled S-I-A. Can you help me with that for a minute? Sia. Sia, okay. She's the one with the wig in different colors. Yes, yeah, so that's what they, so so they kind of went this direction because somehow Bradley Whitford, who, if we can all remember for a second, is a professional actor who used to get real jobs. <laughs> Bradley Whitford somehow ends up with his hair dyed pink? I don't know. It's from earlier in the episode. I didn't catch it. I just caught him with his hair pink and everyone kind of feeling sorry for him or teasing him. And he said, my hair is the color of the worst starburst. And Bradley Whitford, I will fight you. The pink one is the worst starburst? Who thinks that? The orange one is clearly the worst starburst. The orange one is clearly the worst, guys. The pink one is the best. They sell... Like only they sell yes. Starburst with only pinks and reds. In Have them. you ever seen a Starburst only orange and yellows pack? I sure haven't. The market has spoken, Bradley Whitford. God. Anyway, so his somehow his hair is pink, and so they sing this song by Sia at this mega church, and they're all wearing like Anna Cam is actually in this super adorable like pink bob wig. Like she looks so 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 oh, cute yeah, in there it. There is a there is a Sia song where she's wearing a really adorable pink wig. So Anna Camp that. looks cute enough to beat the band. It's ridiculous how good she looks in that little pink wig. She's adorable. But, but they sing this like Sia song. Uh, I don't know. It's about like self acceptance or something. I don't know. A- and the disapproving dad in the audience is disapproving, and then. It turns out one of their choir members left to join the mega church to sing in the mega church choir. And then I swear to God, and then they, and then she and Anna Camp have like a catty exchange at the end. And the woman goes, see you at regionals. And I was like, oh, they're doing, oh, they're just completely aping glee. <laughs> There's a regionals. Like, it's not enough to just have this show. Like, we are completely recapitulating the, the competition structure of Glee. Oh. Like, we're just we're just recapitulating or, it completely. for that matter, Pitch Perfect. There are so many things. Like, can you have a show about music where it's not all about regionals and states and nationals and we're going to the Big Apple! Wee! But also, like, for a church choir that seems really strange. I mean, I used to sing in our synagogue choir when I was a teenager and to my knowledge, there was no competitive Jewish singing. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought about what competitive Jewish singing would be like. Just, just one group in the corner like, Dona, 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 Dona. <laughs> like, yeah, really get the crowd on their feet. Yeah, Competitive totally. Jewish singing. Woot, woot. I'm raising the roof. You can't see me. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it had pathos because the, the lead singer actually was, is a pretty good actor and singer, I guess, if that if he's not dubbed. And, like, there really seemed to be, you know, some real hardship for him being estranged from his dad or whatever. Just what I was picking up. The rest of it was garbage. 
Yeah, I mean, so I didn't watch this week live, so I didn't see the last five minutes of The Fighting Temptations, and I just got a text from you that just said, regionals, question mark? And I was like, (laughs) what is this about? And then I was like, oh, this must be about The Fighting Temptations. What did you text me back? Regionals, question mark? LOL, is this a Fighting Temptations ref? I couldn't watch live tonight. (laughs) You got it, though. You got there. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right, we're going to have a lot of discussion, so I'm going to try to fast-track this synopsis to the greatest extent possible. I know there's a lot going on, but I actually think that the main thrust of it can kind of be summed up pretty simply. Okay. It's the last day of the experiment. They are getting ready for their end-of-year party, (laughs) like their one-year anniversary party. You know, it's like one year down eternity to go or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And Eleanor makes a video basically being like, why don't you guys all do some good deeds really quick before the clock runs out? And everyone's like, no, you can't put that in the video. (laughs) You can't say that. Meanwhile, Michael wants to be the magnificent Dr. Presto and do some close-up magic. And Eleanor's like... Yeah, but there's real magic here. And Michael's like, but can it do this? And he like pulls a coin out of Eleanor's elbow or whatever. This is earth magic. It's harder. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, you know, at Chidi's house, it's uh, Chidi and Simone and Jason slash Jianyu and John and Tahani. And, you know, they're all getting, they're all, they have their fancy clothes on. and they Tahani's great. Like, they do. And Johnny's like, you'll look good enough to work the coat check at the Met Gala. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, let's get ready to go. And Simone's like, yeah, but real quick. And she like retrieves a cork board. <laughs> you say a Charlie Day style cork board, which is not a reference everyone's going to get. But you guys know that gif on the internet of the crazed looking man. From with It's all- Always Sunny. With all the push pins and the various things. It's just like the classic crazy person cork board. Where it turns out, I mean, and frankly, we should have known this, that, like, Simone has been playing along because she's been collecting data. I did not see this coming at all. But I didn't I see it coming, but it 100% coming. fits with her character. Yeah, right? it definitely does. It definitely it's does. It's like, a lot of things in retrospect suddenly make sense. And, yeah. she's, and she's like, you know, look, this doesn't make any sense, like, you know... Uh, Eleanor and Michael are the architects, but they spend most of their time with us. They're always trying to get us to hang out together. Like, what is so special about us? And meanwhile, like, Jason and Tahani are looking at each other like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And so John is like, okay, I've been keeping this in for a long time, but all of a sudden it seems relevant AF. That's, (laughs) he's, you know, John, you's not a monk. And, you know, Jason's like, uh, yeah, hey, I'm Jason Mendoza. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, you know, and whatever. And and then Chidi and Simone get, like, mad at each other. Like, Simone is mad at Chidi for keeping Jason's identity from her. And Chidi, I think, reasonably says, like, it wasn't his secret to tell. Mm-hmm. And Chidi gets mad at Simone for not telling him that she thought the whole thing was kind of a setup. That she's and been she collecting evidence, right? Yeah, on all data, and I think Simone reasonably says, like, I needed to be able to do as unbiased a data collection as I could. You know, I think they're mad at they're both mad at each other, but they're not really mad at each other for super great reasons, which sort of is a maybe a preface to how their relationship is about to go. Yeah, Tahani is trying to kind of like 
<laughs> sweep this under the rug. But, you know, Simone's like, well, look, Jason just admitted he doesn't belong. And it's super obvious that Brent doesn't either. And Brent's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't belong here. I belong. And I, I don't think I mentioned Brent comes in at some point during this. Like, it's... They're all dressed before he comes in. He kind of saunters in halfway through or whatever. And Brent says, yeah, guess what? Like, Mike and Eleanor told me, Mike, Mike and Eleanor told me that, you know, there's actually a best place. And, you know, all I have to do is, like, do my do my time here for one year and then I get to go to the best place. And everyone is, like, sort of not saying straight to his face, but sort of, like, being like, yeah, I don't think that that's. Oh, okay, whatever you say, man. Like, Chidi says something really funny, like, I, this is the first time I've ever wanted you to keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. So they're all kind of on edge, but Simone's like, let's let's go to this party, but, like, everybody keep your eyes open and see, like, what kind of weird stuff's going down. And she's like, she says to Chidi, like, I have a special assignment for us, and she pulls him away from the rest of the group. Thank you, yes. So they get to the party, most of them get to the party, and Tahani pulls Eleanor aside and is like, Simone is on to us, and she's got a bunch of evidence And she hasn't been actually broing down with Brent. She has just been, like, going along with everything for the sake of data collection. And Eleanor's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) Simone's special assignment was that they are going through the architect's office, which is really creepy. And, I mean, I guess from their point of view, they don't know what they're in, and I get it. But on behalf of Michael and Eleanor, I felt very creeped out by this. Chidi finds... Uh, a notebook with song lyrics that Michael wrote called like the purple dream train or something. I mean, it's some like like, town or something, (laughs) right? It's some like psychedelic, uh, psychedelic, song basically. And it doesn't even, it's just got, it's like three lines and then it's over. (laughs) And, uh, comes back later when he's like, I never got to finish my (laughs) purple dream train. (laughs) Yes. I mean, Simone is more and more suspicious, and Chidi is really trying to kind of maintain the kayfabe, if you will. Like, you know, Eleanor said this was her first neighborhood, so maybe she made some mistakes. Like, it's very believable that she would make some mistakes her first time out. And also, there's something that Eleanor told me, and I really want it to be true. And it's like, oh, Chidi. So, back at Mindy's house... The Soul Squad is, like, in crisis mode. And Eleanor's like, okay, let's just skip the things that we have planned for tonight. You know, let's just... We hope that our early successes make up for the embarrassment we've become. Like Facebook or America. Oof. <laughs> yeah, oh, that one. Yeah, that one's right in the right in the kisser there. And Michael's like, no, 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 no. Do you trust me? And Eleanor's like, yes, absolutely, I trust you. And Michael's like, okay, then I'm going to try some. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really go for something kind of out there. And then he, like, takes out a uh, magician's hat. And she's like, you have to ask me if I trust you, b- b- like, after you take out the magician's hat. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is not fair. <laughs> we cut back to Chidi and Simone in the architect's office. And, you know, Chidi tells Simone that Eleanor says that they were soulmates. And, you know, <laughs> Chidi, this line broke me. Like, Chidi's like, I think it's neat. Do you think it's neat? intensely and forever (laughs) oh my god i was like my diary from when i was 15 and also how i felt about every relationship i've ever had thanks oh i know that's that's what was my tweet on on the live tweet being like oh it it me like (laughs) (laughs) oh and simone's like 
No, I don't like. There's no such thing as a soulmate. That no, and she also like, fits with her character because she's very scientific. pragmatic. Yeah. yeah. And Chidi's like, ha ha, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And and he just he says something like, he, he says something like, well, you know, no one's heart needs to break just yet. <laughs> I don't remember if that's at this exact moment or a little bit later, but like. It's it later, sort of... but still. <clears throat> yeah. So Simone finally finds the emoji whiteboard. Yeah, she like <laughs> finds the door in the Secret wall. door, yeah. Yeah. And brings out the emoji whiteboard, and he's like, what's with these emojis? I mean, I guess this party hat, that's cool. That's cooler than, like, guy with thermometer. And I was like, of course, Chidi's, <laughs> or, like... Or poop coil. Yeah. I was like, of course, Chidi's main emoji that he would use on Earth is the guy with the thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> so at the party, uh, the magnificent Dr. Presto is doing his magic, and Simone and Chidi kind of show up to the party and they're like we found this wacky whiteboard and our faces were on it and but Tahani and Jason's faces are not on it right that's that's another question mark for them yeah so Michael asks Brent to come up and be a volunteer for his uh, magic trick and then in the middle of the trick a sinkhole opens up and swallows Brent (laughs) just the way that we saw in season one where Brent is kind of hanging on by his fingers to a ledge in the you know down in the sinkhole we didn't in the first season. Wasn't it Glenn who fell into the sinkhole? Sure was. <laughs> wow! Full so circle, wheels everyone. within wheels, wheels within wheels. <laughs> so you know, obviously, the humans who now have sort of figured out that something is really wacky are super thrown off by this. Like anything could happen at this point, right? So Eleanor says. John, Simone, Chidi, watch Brent. Jason, Tani, go try to find a rope. Right? So, already. I mean, she's kind of, she's showing her hand a little bit. Yeah. The Soul Squad goes back to the architect's office, and they're kind of debating, like, did we do the right thing? We know we could have thrown Chidi in, and, and then Eleanor's like, no, 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 no. Like, everybody wants to help Chidi, but, like, if they can really come together as a team and help Brent, then, like, that's proof that they really got better. Brent sucks. If they actually come together to save him, like, that's truly an act of altruism as opposed to, like, saving Chidi, who is, you know, a great, and I think at this point, Eleanor says, he's great, and you can bounce a quarter off his rear end, and I've done it. (laughs) Like, ooh, girl. (laughs) Yes. I mean, how much... So I find this adorable, obviously, but, like, how much time did they really have to, like, do all this stuff? Like, they had... Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they have, like, a day or maybe three days before he got mind-wiped? Yeah, but it could have happened in any number of the... Remember, oh, she has all of her memories back. You're absolutely right. She has all right. of her memories. So, like, remember all those times when they went to uh Yeah, Mindy's? there was, like, 600 different times. Yeah. That, yeah. So now we're sort of back in the town square. Brent is down in the hole. Simone and John are sniping at each other. Chidi's like, we have to help Brent. And Simone's like, we got to get out of here. Because there's like a big countdown clock in the sky to like the one year mark, right? It's also the end of the experiment. They don't know that. Yeah. Simone is like, no, we have to go. (laughs) Like, we don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen when that clock reaches zero, but I don't want to be here when it does. And... Simone and John are both telling Chidi, like, it's not worth saving Brent because Brent, would, Brent wouldn't Brent would save you. Like, Brent would turn yeah. tail and run. And 
you know, Simone says, we've given Brent every chance to be better, and he's never gotten better. And Chidi's like, it doesn't matter. He's a human being. Okay? Like, it doesn't matter that he's, uh, as Jason would put it, a toilet full of broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, my ethical code is that I see a human being in peril and I save them. Like, that's how it goes. Or you try, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, he's cheaty. He's going to (laughs) fail. It's one of his many adorable characteristics. And they're at this impasse and they just say to each other, like, you know, I respect your position. And Simone walks away and John is like, that was the most boring breakup I've ever seen. And then he leaves... Yeah, it's it's cold. John. I love John. And then he leaves with Simone. Simone takes Brent's humskalade. Yeah. And John, I guess, is a passenger. And they drive somewhere. No idea where they Question go. Question mark? Yeah, nobody We knows. do not see them again for the rest of the episode. And uh, so now, you know, there's only, you know, there's a short amount of time left. The Soul Squad comes to find Chidi and Brent both stuck in the sinkhole because Chidi has tried to help Brent and has fallen in. And Eleanor, you know, you know, she's coming up to the hole being like, okay, let's time to see if they bonded. And she looks down and she's like, they didn't bond. They snapped in half. So they're like conferencing like really quick, like, what are we going to do? And Jason's like, if there's one thing I know in this world, you can always you can always blow up the same thing twice. <laughs> like his motorcycle that had Pamela Anderson on it. Excellent point. So they get Brent and Sheedy out. They put them into the architect's office. They're like, what happened to Simone and John? We can't find them. And Sheedy's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, and I don't remember exactly how this goes down, but, but basically Sheedy's like... Hey, guess what? They're they're torturing us. Like this so is the Brent, bat. The way that it goes down is that Brent calls them like disloyal jerks, mm. and says like, "Well, they just took off when I needed them or whatever." And and that's what makes Cheaty like crack. And he basically says, "No, you've been terrible to them for this entire year, and you know they took off because like we're all being tortured." And guess what? I know that this is the bad place. And then, and, you, and did you figure out that this was the moment that I... No, I, I, I mean, I, afterwards. <laughs> afterwards, yeah, yeah. So I, I watched it in real time, and then you watched it later. And I sort of said in text, like, there's going to be one shining moment for you. And I hope that you understood in the moment yes. that this was the shining moment. Yes. Where they do, like, the, the, the queasy sound effect, and they zoom in to Eleanor and Michael, and they both do the, the season one ender Michael laugh of, yeah. like, vroom. <laughs> And Eleanor is like, yup, you guessed it. This is the bad place. Like, we're going to go look for Simone and John, uh, you know, and then we're going to pack you guys up. And Brent like, Brent's like, well, pack us up to go where? And Michael's like, oh, this isn't like the real bad place. Like, they just let us, you know, fork around with you guys for a year. But now you're going to go to like the real bad place. And it's really, really bad. Okay, bye. <laughs> and they leave them in the office. And they're watching on the monitor and Eleanor's like, come on, come on, come on. And Brent is like freaking out. And Chidi is like, it's, you know, Brent, it's like really obvious why, because Brent's like, no, I'm a good person. I was a good person. I was, or I'm a good person. Like I can't be in the bad place. And Chidi's like, no, you're not. You're a bad person. You don't do the bare minimum that you need to do to be a good person, which is like care about the existence of other people. And Brent is like, 
no, no, like, I'm a good person, no. And Brent and Chidi's like, no, man, you're really not. Like, and now, you know, everything has just gone to hell, basically. And then you see Brent have this, like, series of revelations <laughs> on his Props face. Props to this actor because oh, he I know did this. He such nailed a good it. job. He did such a good job of, like, he being did. this person coming around to the realization that they are well and truly forked because of their own actions. I could see on his face the, like, stomach-hurling queasiness of that moment where you're like, oh my god, I left the oven on. Or, like, you know what I mean? Something along those lines. You know what it reminds me of? That moment, remember when we watched Ghost and that moment where... um, where Tony Goldwyn sees Sam because he's been killed by the... Uh, by the sheet of glass, I think, that, right? Like, yeah, sheet of glass. He has, like, a grisly death. And he sees Sam, and then he realizes that he's dead, and all of his literal demons catch up to him. But he has that one moment of realization. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Right, and so Brent has this obvious, like, huge sort of like delving into his soul but like realizing what he's done and then he you know he goes to Chidi he goes oh Chidi I am so saw and then the clock ends the year is over they're frozen in time uh, Janet brings Eleanor uh, a glass uh, with a margarita and a pitcher to refill it and Eleanor starts drinking directly from the pitcher and <laughs> that is the end of the episode that's the end um, I didn't have any specific uh, discussion points but like let's have at it because I feel like there's a lot to delve into I mean this is proof positive that Eleanor and Michael took the exact wrong tack with Brent from the jump yes you're right it could not have been more wrong. They could not have messed that up more profoundly. Right, because he never felt like he actually had to get better. He just had to wait it out for a year. If they had done... The, so, like, what they needed to do was do what they had done to Eleanor in the first season. The problem is, it doesn't seem like Brent is, like, savvy enough to... If you present him with video of, like, hey, this is your life. Remember when you helped all those orphans? Like, he's just kind of a dumb dumb. He'd probably be like, oh, that's not me. I didn't do that stuff. So, like, it would be difficult to kind of maintain the sort of structure that you had with Eleanor. But, like... But I also believe... I also think that the one of the differences between Eleanor and Brent is that Brent genuinely believed he was a good person and he, he earned what he got and he, like, you know, was successful on his own merit and all these things, right? Like, he genuinely believed all those things, whereas Eleanor you know, grew up believing she was trash as an adult was tra- a, tra- a garbage person to other people, but like was sort of unapologetic about it. Um, and so like, she knew that she didn't belong in the good place, but her idea was like, well, I deserve a medium place for yes. people who suck, but in a fun, chill way. Yes. He said, I don't belong in the good place. I belong in the best place. So they both were not good people on earth, but she owned the fact that she was a trash bag. And he, it it took that moment of like, oh my gosh, every decision I've ever made is catching up to me. And like, I can't fix it. And this one person who I, I thought was my friend is now looking me in the face and telling me I'm a terrible person. 
Like it took that level of 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 an event to get him to have any level of introspection because I think last week's episode was six months into the experiment and even that it's you know, we're we we time jump for six months. And so even that incident didn't get him to think about his life any differently or think about the way that he treats people any differently. Right? Getting hit, but getting punched in the face didn't do it. It took realizing that he had actually been sent to hell. Yeah. And for his own misdeeds. But I I maintain so yeah, like it's hard to know what they could have done in the in the intervening year. You know, unless they had this intervention at nine months, right? To like pretend yeah. that they're like, oh no, you're actually in the bad place. Do that at the nine month mark and then spend three months. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I honestly don't know. But like yeah. The, the whole, like, oh, actually, you know, this is just an audition for the best place. I mean, it just fed into his worst impulses. Right. And he wasn't... And, and Eleanor had a moment in the first season where she understood that her motivations were corrupt. And so she did all these good things and then tried to leave the neighborhood. Because yes. she was like... and But, you know, uh, they didn't... And they assumed that that would work for Brent, that he would eventually come around and his motivations would change. But they never did because, you know, he he fundamentally believed that this was just a stopover and he was going to get the reward no matter what. He wasn't faced with this idea of like, yeah, you're actually in hell and you have to prove to me that you don't deserve to be there. You know, he never felt like he was in danger of anything. I think Eleanor in the first season had this understanding of like, well, I'm not in the right place, but if they figure out I'm not in the right place, then I go to a worse place. You're yeah, right. They, I, did they, did they the ever, exact wrong thing with Brent because... They, they really you know. did. And do, do you remember them ever even mentioning the bad place in this season to the to the new humans? No. I think because it comes too close to like, you know, giving away the game, right? You think so? I mean, like, did it really never? And I know I always hammer on this, and I'm sorry, but like, did it really never come up? Like, hey, where's everybody else? Yeah, that's where's a great the rest question. of humanity? Nobody asked that question, like, except for uh, Brent. Yes, I mean, we did talk about how that was an odd sort of. He he was the only one who asked the natural human question, but like, you can kind of see John or Simone. I mean, if Simone. Simone never believes that this is quite real, right? So maybe write her out. But, like, Cheaty or John kind of being like, hey, where is it? Like, where's the rest of humanity? Like, we get that in, like, season one, episode right. Like, one, like, Janet playing a sound clip of the real bad place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I would imagine John would want to know, like, where Amy Winehouse is, right? (laughs) Yes, totally. Yeah. Like, hey, Janet, where is such and such? Whitney Houston. (laughs) Although... Are we convinced Janet actually knows those things? Because she was surprised by the fact that no humans had gone to the good place in 500 years. So does she actually know where humans are after death? I don't know. She knows everything, right? Yeah, but she didn't know this. She didn't really know this. I don't know, man. I mean, it's possible that once you're a Janet for a neighborhood, then you're sort of focused on that neighborhood. You don't really know. She did know that Columbus was in the bad place, but I think, you know. Well, but we hear a lot of things in season one that we 
know now are false. Like that Michael says that all U.S. presidents except Lincoln are in the bad place. And it's like, well, no, Lincoln is also in the bad place, as we know. Yeah, because everybody has been. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they did the wrong thing with Brent. And I'm interested to hear what you think about the way that Simone went in this episode. Um... So I was kind of, look, I am a Chelinor girl through and through, right? Like, hashtag Chelinor. Get on the good ship. <laughs> get, on, get on the good ship. So I was kind of sitting there being like, I think, and please tell me if you think I'm being completely absurd here. But I think if Chidi and Eleanor had been in this situation, dating for a year, and Chidi's like, my ethical code requires me to try to save this human being that Eleanor would be like, oh, fork it. Like, you're a dork, but I love you. And like, I'll help. Do you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. You I agree? Do. Yeah. Yes. Like that, that she would have her instinct certainly would be Simone's instinct. Right. Yeah. But that she ultimately would have allowed her love for Chidi to supersede her instinct to like self-preserve. I was going to say, I also think that, you know, this is something that we had said about Simone that she's clearly like coming into this experiment. She's clearly like the best of all of them, all of the new crew, right? Like she has the least to improve. Eleanor, I think one of the reasons why she and Chidi work so well together is because she really truly does admire how good he is of a person. Like, Mm. like, how how good he is, how selfless he is. He is a foil to her in a way that he's not a foil for Simone. Like, he's a foil for Simone in that she's a scientist and he asks these sort of, like, moral, uh, unanswerable moral questions and she's all about getting answers. Um, right. And that's sort of set up for us in season three. But... In this, you know, I think you're correct that if Eleanor had been in this situation with him, she would have looked at she would have looked at the situation and said, like, you know, fork it, let's get out of here. And then he he would say, no, I I have to help him. And she would have been like, oh, you're such a you're such a good person. Like, I can't, you know, I can't can't walk away from you. I can't walk away from you. Right. Exactly. If I were the one making the decision, I would walk away from Brent, but I cannot walk away from you, Chidi, and therefore let's find a rope. Right. Like, yes, I agree. But, but Simone doesn't have that kind of relationship with him because she's very pragmatic and she kind of sees his ethical code as something that's not always logical. Right. She doesn't have that kind of relationship with him. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, when you when you look back, you think back to all the prior seasons and like every time we kind of get Eleanor on the cusp of falling in love with Chidi, which is like often. It, ha- it yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. And when she like kind of vocalizes some of those feelings, there's always like something like, you know, he's just, oh, Eleanor, you know, there's a, he's such a he's such a nerd and he loves you know, Kant so much. And it's always like, oh, Eleanor, you have to read this book by Kant. And like he, you know, and he... You know, he always says and does the right thing and he's such a dork and like his he's got his sweater vests like, you know. And so, I mean, on the one hand, like I'm very with Eleanor in terms of like he's got those sweater vests like who boy. But also he's a a smoke show. Yes, we know. Yes. But like she always whenever she is falling for him and we kind of see that part of the thing that she cites as being an attractive quality 
is his. And now, even though she's she's mocking it, right? But that's because that's how Eleanor and I yeah. uh, kind of process our feelings about people, which is that... Oh, you, me you too. Do yeah. <laughs> do yeah. A lot of mockery. Like, yeah. She, she's she's doing it in a mocking way, but she is actually expressing, like, admiration for his, like, nerdy love of philosophy and ethics and how much he hews to his moral code, you know? Yeah. like and in the first she, season when she is talking to Vicky and Bombajan about him, says, like, you know, he she's going on about how, you know, he's so nerdy and he loves these books and he's surprisingly jacked, but also, like... She says, he never judges me when I do something wrong. He never judges me when I, like, you know, don't want to study or whatever. Like, she she is recognizing that, like, he is a good person even to her. And in her mind, especially in season one, like, she never deserved that. Mm. And I think what... And so I think for her, this idea of, like, this guy is just a good guy through and through. And you are, you're correct in your assessment, I think, that she would say, well... I would leave Brent in a heartbeat because he sucks, but I I can't leave you. I won't leave you. And I just don't think Simone, I think I agree with a lot of, I mean, we had our conversation about Simone last episode and, and how we both agreed with a lot of her points and would have done a lot of the things that she did in that episode, would have said a lot of things that she had said in that episode. Um, But I think because she doesn't, quite believe that this is a real this is the real deal she doesn't believe in soulmates she barely believes that you know they're in an afterlife at all she was never as invested Mm. in her relationship and actually you know come to think of it when they had that episode a couple episodes ago where they went to the lake house and you were like well if that were my soulmate my boyfriend and he didn't want to go i would have been a lot more upset well now it makes sense to me why she wasn't that upset because she didn't care that much whether or not he was there because she was saying in this episode like well i like you a lot but i don't believe that we're meant to be together because i don't believe in soulmates i mean this was the first she was hearing about the soulmate thing which i don't think i appreciated that's true i should have realized that mike sure would like use that as a cudgel later in the season yeah emotional cudgel on my soul but like you know i think it's hard to know if it's if it's a part of simone fundamentally if she could never fully give herself over to any relationship because she's just too pragmatic Mm -hmm. or if it's just that she and chidi fundamentally aren't that compatible and that if she were with the right person then you know essentially chidi is asking them at the end of the or you know the 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 back third of the episode or whatever basically you know trust me like walk into the fire with me like this is far from being the ideal circumstance but you know take my hand and let's do this and maybe with the right person simone is capable of that maybe she's just not maybe she's not the kind of person who can ever like fully give herself over you know in a relationship to another human being maybe it's just not who she is and that's interesting because she it really did seem like part of the thing that made Simone such an interesting character in season three is that like you really did I really liked their relationship now I'm also on the Chelinor ship with you but like I liked their relationship and I remember at the beginning of season four thinking like well how is this gonna go down because you know I like Chidi and Simone together, but I also know that, like, Chelinor is endgame, right? And so how do you balance those two I mean, things? I hope so! 
God, I hope so. I mean, we, uh, we have... They have, they have to be hanging out in the dot of the eye. Jeremy, bury <laughs> me, baby! <laughs> but, like, so how do you balance those two things? Well, you know, one way out of it is to say that, you know, on Earth, these these circumstances made them made them more compatible. But, you know, I think in the afterlife when the chips are down and she has just heard, Oh, this guy thinks that we're soulmates for all eternity. And now he's asking me to do this thing for this guy that I really hate, you know? And also like, I don't know where I am. I I think there's a, there's a piece of this that is just like, I could imagine myself in that circumstance being like, this is getting really heavy, really fast. And I don't know where I am. They've been together for a year. I just mean the whole situation, right? Like a sinkhole opens up and sure. You know, she's just discovered all this stuff that she doesn't quite understand, but nobody, you know, and also like Chidi, you know, he's saying to her, like, walk into the fire with me, but he's also not willing to go there with her, right? Where she's like, hey, all this stuff is really freaking me out. And I see all these things that don't make any sense. And like, why won't you come along with me? And he's going like, well, I'm sure that there's an explanation for all of this that conveniently means that we get to be soulmates and I get Mm -hmm. to like have this life that I've constructed here not fall apart in front of me. So maybe it is just a fundamental mismatch. And also just this episode really made me appreciate the chemistry of the four, the original four, like the cockroaches Mm -hmm. and just like how well constructed the narrative is that like all of them improve together and all of them really have grown to love each other. And we see like a lot of character growth from Jason over this season. And uh, especially just in this, in this episode, episode yeah. he says a couple things that are so smart that Tahani's like, I'm not sure that's not a demon in a <laughs> well, Jason suit. Well, that's what I mean. Like they have genuinely improved each other and improved with each other that this group, it does sort of open the question for me of like, are all human beings capable of change? Or is it really just like, situational to like your environment and who you're around. Like if I were, those two things are not, those two things are not diametrically opposed though. That's true. But everybody can be capable of change in a very specific environment, perhaps. That's true. Cause if I were stuck with a guy like Brent for a year, I'd go insane. (laughs) Like I would kind of be Simone in that circumstance. I think I don't know that I would have it in me to save him from a sinkhole. But if Chidi, your boyfriend, <sighs> I mean, Chidi with the abs, come on. Happy Chidi abs day. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what was interesting. And this is a bit of a, 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 a different conversation, but I found it interesting that some when Simone was kind of doing her crazy corkboard thing and she was pointing out like Michael and Eleanor spend so much more time with us than they spend with other people. I thought it was this very interesting almost like meta textual thing where our perception as the audience is that Michael and Eleanor are always with our humans, but we figure we have like a background process filling in like, well, they're not always actually with these people. They are, you know, keeping up the appearance of they're actually being other people. And we are like filling in the background the way we do in television. And then she kind of knocks it down with, Actually, they really haven't been, right? Like, they've been yeah. kind of trans- transparently obsessed with us. It made me think of 
It's a season closer of House. I don't remember if it's season one or season two, but it's the one where uh, House gets shot, I think. Ooh. And he, there's just this very funny moment. I mean, not funny, haha, but like interesting, again, like a metatextual thing where he's sort of hallucinating. I think he gets shot and he's hallucinating that he's on a case, right? And we sort of are following him and his team down the hallway and then we cut to a stairwell. And then House sort of says, how did we get to this stairwell? Like, I don't remember opening the door. I don't remember coming down the stairs. And it's one of those like vertigo inducing moments of like, oh, normally when we're watching television and there's a cut from one thing to another, we understand that we are to fill in the background of, and then they opened the door and then they went down the stairs, but they didn't show it to us because we don't need to see every single thing that happens in order to know that characters go, we don't need to see points B through Y. We can see point A and Z and fill in the rest. Yes. But it was this interesting moment of sort of using how TV is shot as like almost part of the mystery. And that was sort of the same thing here of like that all that background filling in we did, like all all that filling in of points B through Y, like Simone kind of kicks that out and is like, actually that, you know, it 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 transpired just as you saw on your television sets, <laughs> folks. Yeah. Like they were always hanging out with us and it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I think I had sort of been under this, the same assumption that you were saying that, like, they were doing activities with everyone and we were just following the characters that we were invested in. But no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. Oh, my gosh. Uh, John. Uh, he let us down. I had a tough time with John this episode. He did let us down. Last week, we were like, John's really grown. Look at that. No. Yeah. No. He spilled the secret, which was not cool. Super not cool. Yeah. And, and then he dro- he drove away with Simone. That was basically was, what he did this episode. He drove away with Simone after dropping, like, a really catty line. <laughs> and Simone even calls him out because he, you know, and he has the moment that Eleanor had, which is, you know, I don't deserve to be in hell. Like, I, you know, I may not be the best person ever, but I don't deserve to be in hell because I worked really hard when I was alive. And Simone is like, you worked really hard making fun of people you didn't know for money. And, <laughs> like, oh. yeah, I mean, that's, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he he let us down. I, I would have liked to see a little bit more. In a, in a moment of stress, he reverted to his worst behaviors, I would say. Yes. Yes. Which is what a lot of us do. It's very human. It's very, very human. But I mean, I, it's le- it's more of an excuse for driving away in the humpscalate and less of an excuse for spilling the beans about Jason, which was just unnecessary. Yeah, I think it was. And, and I mean, I that certainly adds fuel to Simone's fire. But, you know, um, that is tough. I mean, he he was able to keep that secret for six months, though. Like, that's incredible, yeah. Like what I you mean, were... Jason was able to keep quiet for a year. Can you believe that? That is... Rem- I mean, except he was able to keep quiet for a year, but he only had to do it selectively. Yes, absolutely. He was probably living in a house with Tahani. And, right? Is that what you assume? It's kind of what I assume. Yeah, probably. I mean, they didn't really hit the soulmates thing this time so much. No, so... except for with Chidi. Right, and that was privately. So maybe he had his own place or whatever. But 
you know, when he was just with Tahani, which was probably a lot of the time, you know, he could talk and that was fine. It was only yeah. when he had to be around the three, sorry, the four subjects. Yeah. So I actually, no, not even with Chidi. Like he could talk around oh, Chidi yeah, because yeah, Chidi yeah. knew about him. So it was really only when and he was And John around... after the six month mark. That's right. So he really only had to keep it quiet for real around two people. Yes. Um, that's better, and yeah. as long as you limit your interactions with those people, you know, Jason wasn't being tortured. He He knew the the drill and he could go to Mindy's house and say whatever he wanted. So I think, I, I think even he could keep that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I am sort of uh, surprised given that at the beginning of the season, you know, that all this stuff with like the Pamela Anderson bike and everything like that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that he, he's impulse. Well, yeah, his impulse control. I think that the, 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 the motorcycle thing, wasn't that specifically to torture Chidi? Like he did that on it purpose. Was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was not a loss of control in that instance. Yeah. But he's gotten, I mean, the character growth from Jason has just been off the charts. Like I, I'm so glad because I think, I think his character really could just be like a laugh line throwaway character. And in so many situations, like he does have the best line. Like, what did he say to Simone? He's like, he's like, hey, so yeah, I'm Jason. Uh, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. What else about me? Oh yeah, I was born in a swimming pool. And she's just like, <laughs> okay, stop talking. She, but, he does get in there at some point, like, go Jags, obviously. Yeah, exactly, go Jags, obviously. What else about me? I was born in a swimming pool. Um, <laughs> so like, he does usually have that like the best throwaway line or the best laugh line of the show. Um, and he delivers it so well. But they they have really given him room to improve, I think, in in solidifying his commitment to Janet, going to get her, and then, like, uh, the past couple episodes, he's had some really... And, like, realizing that that fake Janet... Or bad Janet wasn't good Janet, and mm-hmm. uh, in this episode saying, like, listen, Mike... Mike. Michael. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't no, you're turning like into Brent. Brent. Oh, no. Uh, you know, listen, Michael, like, you know, y- you had to do something because just playing defense in the last few minutes, like, never gets you where you want to go. You know, that's, he's he's expressing in his own vocabulary, in his football vocabulary, like, that he approves of where things are going. And I, I think he's he's really done a lot of growing, which I'm happy about. I mean, this whole episode is sort of predicated on slight nonsense. I mean, the idea that Eleanor thought that they could kind of all bring their point totals up in the last moments is kind of insane. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I would say that how good a job did they do on these four particular humans is, like, middling at best. Well, that's that's the criticism that, like, a lot of critics have had and and we've also talked about too is like the 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 supposed point of this season was this experiment and we spent very little time on the experiment itself and so we are now going into the back half of the final season having as an audience no blueprint for what happens next not that we ever really do with this show but no. no blueprint for what happens next but i think you're right like they didn't do a very good job with these humans, but we also didn't see very much of it. So it's hard to gauge. I mean, again, like <laughs> we're supposed to be filling in points B through Y, right? That like yeah. there was a lot of group bonding activities and they tried to get people to make peace with each other. And they kind of just had everybody hang out together. 
and do as many ethics lessons as sort of they could get people to do. And I guess Tahani sort of bonded with John some more and Brent played golf. Like we're, we're not supposed to suppose that there was some wild stuff going on that we weren't privy to, right? Like we can kind of extrapolate from the, the points we have in which case I think they did the exact wrong thing with Brent. Mm-hmm. They probably did the right thing with John, more or less, right? I mean, yeah. Tahani, Tahani kind of cracked his shell. And if he had been surrounded by better people and better circumstances, I think he probably would have improved even more. Uh, Chidi never needed improvement. He was always perfect. Fight me. <laughs> and I don't honestly know what they could have done with Simone. Like... She was all, she's too smart for this. <laughs> like they would have had to genuinely like leave her alone. A- and then, you know, how could, I don't think they could have lived with themselves. Right. If they had just been what completely hand, if they had just been a completely hands off with her being like, she's too smart. She's going to cotton on. If she sort of notices that we're trying to throw her together with people. Right. Then, you know, the, the, if they'd gotten to the end of the experiment, it's like, well, Brent improved and Chidi didn't need to improve and John improved, but Simone, oh gosh, she didn't improve. So, you know, humanity is doomed. Like there's, there's sort of, this is like a psychological thing of like, if you don't know whether to interfere or not interfere, then you kind of feel like you have to interfere, (laughs) right? Like if, if there's something that's like hugely important and it's like, well, you can kind of let this thing take its course or you can intervene to try to like point it in the direction you think it ought to be going, even though you might mess it up terrifically and it was already going the right way. Like I think as human beings, our inclination is to, like reach in and interfere. That's a very meta version of the trolley problem, isn't it? I guess. Like, Although, yeah, I mean that's complicated. You go in one direction and you don't you don't do anything. And something bad happens, but you can say, oh, I didn't have a hand in that. Right. Or... And people are not comfortable with that, right? I mean, right. you could, people are not comfortable with saying like, well, you know, the train was going to run over those five people anyway. So, you know, you the, the, you know, as you know, the classic trolley problem of like, the train is barreling towards five people, but you can switch the track to make it hit one person instead. Most people say, I'm switching the track to make it hit one person. Right. right. And you know, and that might have terrible consequences down the line, like literally down the line, like of like, oh, now it's out of control and it's going to run into a station. And it's going to be like a big fireball explosion, right? Whereas on the other line, it was just going to kind of run off the rails and fall into a river. Like, but we still feel like we have to intervene. I mean, that's a very straightforward situation of like, we think we know exactly what the outcomes are going to be. But when, even when the outcomes are not clear, I think our inclination is to kind of step in and meddle. Like we just want to, we just want to help. (laughs) Yeah. I got to, I got to see if I can make this go right, you know? And so that's what they did, of course, with Simone. And I don't know, would she have been better off if she had been left completely to her own devices? I don't think so because I don't think she, I think she would have, she was really off the rails at the beginning of the season. Right. Oh Yes. And so I think if they had left her alone, she would have just continued to believe that it was a a construct of her dying synapses. How long can you believe that, though? Well, you know, she could say, like, well, it feels like a year, but it's probably only been a minute. Right? 
That's a very tiresome way to go through life. Well, that's what Chidi tells her. Yes. <laughs> and Chidi only tells her that because Eleanor says to him, I need your help. She's your soulmate. <sighs> Chelenor. Wherefore out there, Chelenor? It's been... Man, I mean, we are really going into... I mean, and now the experiment is over. Yes. And I have n- literally, honest to God, no idea what happens next. next. week's episode, which is the mid-season break, is called The Funeral to End All Funerals. So... Oh, gosh. Humanity's doomed. <laughs> That's what it sounds totally, like to me. Totally doomed. <laughs> Hooray! Yay! We're all gonna get retired. Um, oh, <laughs> ladled over hot diamonds. I guess. <laughs> that sounds nice. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> the diamonds. Yeah, the diamonds sound nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from this episode that I really thought was important. Janet can't get into the obelisk. Oh, she does try, yeah. She does try. Yeah, it's just... They... Oh, do you do you have any guesses as to where Simone and, and John drove off to? I mean, I assume the place between places, you know. I mean, you know, maybe they're halfway to Mindy's. Who knows? It doesn't well, they matter. they don't know they... about Mindy's, do they? No, but they just would have gotten inserted in and started driving. I mean, it depends how geographically large the good place is, the experiment place is supposed to be. But they only had, they had like less than an hour to drive, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, if the experiment place is big enough, they wouldn't have been able to leave the experiment place. It's going to be interesting if they managed to get outside the bounds of the experiment place. Is it possible they didn't get frozen? Ooh. Interesting. I mean, you hope, I kind of hope not. I don't really want to deal with Simone anymore. I'm kind of mad at her. She left your boy. She left my boy. Who who gets the opportunity to be with Chidi? Very few people, right? Eleanor and Simone, basically. And yeah. I've never had my chance. So, like, <laughs> you blew it. You blew it, Simone. But also, like, she fundamentally, she made the wrong moral choice, okay? Like, she made the wrong moral choice. You do not leave a human being, even a human being who is a toilet full of broccoli, you do not leave him to hang by his fingernails in what appears to be a hell pit. It's not right. She she did the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, that's tough because I think her point about the fact that like he he wouldn't do the same thing for them, I think she, I think that's been her her character flaw really is her stubbornness and her well it's not so much a flaw, but it's a, a character trait that Michael calls out. Like she makes snap judgments about people, right? Uh, and she's very stubborn and very practical and yes she doesn't have it in her to put aside all of her gripes with brent and and be a person and that's you know be like a a, you know a human being who who cares at the baseline the way that chidi was talking about at the end with brent like right you know like if there are people in new york who i know you're aware of this or people in new york they (laughs) see someone they see someone fall into the subway tracks and they risk their lives to get them off the subway tracks before a subway car comes. They don't know anything about that person. That person could be a Nazi, right? That person could be any number of horrible things, but they don't think through that. They see a human being 
in distress about to be struck by a train and they risk their lives to save that person. I'm not saying that everybody needs to literally jump onto train tracks to save someone if they see someone fall. Although if you do that, God bless you. But like, I am saying that in this situation, like it should not have been a calculus of like, I don't really like him and he wouldn't do the same thing for you. It should be a calculation of, not only is he a human being, but, like, he's a human being we actually have spent a lot of time with. <laughs> right? Like, right. actually, you know, we have a human connection to this person. He's not just a random stranger. He's a he's a person we know quite well and have spent a lot of time with. And, like, he should not be left to fall into a hell pit. Like, Simone is wrong. <sighs> yeah. And it, and it, I think it's, uh, it, it really does show kind of that that same I think the cockroaches really the original group that was in on the experiment you know thought like well we banded together this group will band together too when we put them under stress right and that's what mm-hmm. they find out like oh they didn't they didn't band together they broke in half like we we put them under stress and they just said like peace I'm out of here and Cheedy was the only one willing to do the right thing and so i, and I it's think it's partly look there's a lot of variables in play right here yeah. it's it's partly that nobody in their group was as bad as brent is it's yeah. partly that from the second season on they've had michael on their side it's partly that the core of the group was this first extremely close friendship and then love relationship between eleanor and chidi that is just like rock solid you know yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play and that we don't have the second time around, but you know, it's really unfortunate to see them kind of be the dark mirror, dark mirror, black mirror. <laughs> to see them be Boulevard. the Placebo Boulevard coming to Netflix to see them be the dark mirror of the original cockroaches. Especially because I like Simone and John, like on earth, those are the people that I want to chill with of all yes. of this new cadre of people like i mean of all of them honestly like jason is adorable but i don't want to hang out with him and tahani would probably be unbearable right so like i want i would i would want to hang out with john probably more than almost any of them except my cheaty yes i mean because john you could like go have a spa day with and then go watch a sandy b movie and it would be great yes. um but yeah he really didn't show up for any real moment in this episode i think yeah he, he just sort of whiffed it Anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Should I read our iTunes review, our new iTunes yes, review? Yes, please, 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 please. So this is from A Girl Who Meows. The title of it is An Emoji of a Heart. So thank you very much. <laughs> Quote, it's a lot easier to motivate myself to wash dishes and the like when I can do it while listening to these smart, witty ladies and their enthusiastic, in-depth discussion of one of my favorite TV shows. Oh, tan- I'm a lady. <laughs> I don't think that lady. means that I... <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's a lady. Um, the tangents and off-season episodes are fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't like the tangents, I don't I don't think this is the podcast for We're you. We're 90% tangent, let's <laughs> exactly. be honest. Thank you so much, a girl who meows. That's very sweet. Yes. Especially the heart emoji. Yeah. Until next time, guys, it's zero o'clock somewhere. 
We will see you for the mid-season break next week, ding dong. Oh boy. And then I can pick my socks up with my toes because I have prehensile toes. (laughs) Another true story.